First You Think is a not-for-profit ministry of the First Unitarian Church of Des Moines. Support us at ucdsm.org today. A few weeks ago, my aunt, my oldest aunt, my mother's sister, passed away. Two Sundays ago, she would have been 80. Telling a friend this, she asked if I wanted to come over, if I needed any company. As she had also recently lost an aunt and knew that that could be difficult, So I went over, we talked about how our days had been, how our week was, how work was, and we talked about grief. I told her that I expected, based on past experience, that my grief would come and go unexpectedly at times. And I told her also that understanding death as a cycle of life has helped me keep grounded and keep perspective in the face of death, grief, and loss. This understanding is an essential part of how I navigate death. The people who have come before me have led me to this moment and have shaped how I move through this world, in good ways and in painful ones. Paying attention to this helps keep me present. It helps me to see how interconnectedness, how interconnected I am to the rest of the world and the people around me. Honoring who and what has lived before us can help us cultivate this perspective. In this sermon I have to offer you today, I'm not offering a prescription to cure grief or loss, but I am offering a perspective that can help us adjust our experiences. Studying and practicing paganism have certainly helped me cultivate this approach towards death. I don't think it's an essential ingredient, but it has been an important one for me. Many witches and pagans hold that life and death are not discrete qualities of being, but are interrelated experiences. You plant the seed, you nurture the plant, you harvest the grain, you plant the seed. The cycle spirals on and on, repeating itself, both new and familiar with each revolution. In the traditions that use the Wiccan wheel of the year for their liturgical calendar, people talk about Sowen as the third of the harvest festivals preceded by Lamas and the autumn equinox. It's the last chance to reflect on what we've brought into existence in this last year and begin anticipating and preparing for the year to come. For many, a central component of this is honoring and communicating with ancestors. As we reflect on the natural world dying, going into hibernation to prepare for new emergence, We reflect on the many cycles of living and dying that have brought us to this moment. Living things die and consequently new things emerge. These new things are tied to previous lives, 
We hear this sentiment in the words of Nancy Wood in our second reading. Each death I encounter makes more sense placed in the context of life's cycles. Although each death is new and unique, my approach to death is not. I've cultivated it for much of my life now. As a child and teenager, my family and I helped serve at many funeral masses at our local parish. And over the years, I've experienced a death of cousins, aunts, grandparents, great aunts and uncles, people who were old and young, close to me and further removed, deaths that were both anticipated and unexpected. But no death has felt like a loss so much as a transformation. I've never felt death terminating a relationship so much as changing the way I approach that relationship. Although the person in question is no longer physically alive, I am. And the people they knew are. And those of us who are still alive are forever changed because of that relationship. We carry those changes forward in our lives, consciously or not. As Isai Barnwell writes in our centering hymn, the dead are not under the earth. They are wailing in the wailing child. They are with us in our homes. They are with us in the crowd. In a more abstract way, I think this is true of anyone we encounter who is no longer physically present in our lives, but that might be a reflection for another time. When I count my ancestors, the persons and beings who have helped shape my life, I count grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, the people who raised me and their relatives. But I also count my advising professor from college, who has shaped how I understand being pagan and being a scholar of religion. I count some of the Catholic saints as my ancestors who my own ancestors prayed to for intercessions and who have, I have honored and venerated alongside gods and familiar ancestors alike. And I consider the land I've lived on and grew up to be an ancestor as well. All of these persons and beings have molded me into this version of a person you see before you now, and I exist as their legacy. So now I have two questions for you as we prepare to depart. Who are your ancestors? Who are the people, places, things that have helped shape you into who you are today? And how will you honor and remember that change? You might honor them in a formal or ritualistic way, or you might not. In an article written earlier this month, John Beckett gives us some insight into the breadth of forms honoring our ancestors can take. He writes that ancestor veneration is a very intuitive practice, so intuitive that people of all religions do it, even if they don't consider it a religious thing. Go into the homes of your most conservative Christian friends and relatives. You'll see pictures of grandma and grandpa on the wall maybe a wedding photo, maybe a picture of someone in a military uniform. You'll see old watches, pens, tools, 
things that have a tangible connection to a long past relative. Your Christian friends wouldn't call these places shrines, but that's what they are. They're places of honor, even if no one ever sets a glass of wine in front of them as an offering. In a day-to-day way, I don't have a ritualized way of honoring my ancestors, but I honor them in other ways. I hang pictures of ancestors and icons of saints on my walls. And every day I see them and remember how we're connected and how that's changed me. I honor my grandmother every time I bake a pie. I honor my grandfather every time I brew one of his wine recipes. For many of them anyway, that feels closest to what they would have wanted, to be remembered in a daily living way. And then during special observances, like All Hallows, I honor them with offerings and ritual. You may be honoring your ancestors in a way like this already. So in the season of death and rebirth, I encourage you to find connection in the people and places that have willed you into existence. Dust off your grandparents' wedding photo. Bake that meal that reminds you of your friend. Walk in the woods and the hills near where you grew up. Pour out an offering on your shrine if that's what feels right. Though these people and places might not be physically present with us anymore, take up all that remains and know how much it's shaped you.